from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are on Sirius XM Channel 111, and I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives program here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter, and I am here with Michelle Stucker and Dion Simpkins, and we actually have two engineers today, Danielle Bruno. Welcome to the show. We're excited you're here. We've got a great show for you. So it's Thursday. We're live. Give us a call, 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Hey, if you've called in before and you haven't had a chance to get on, we'd love to hear from you today. We take your questions, and that is what we do. We are here to help you get the job that you want. So today, we are focusing on how to rebrand yourself as a career switcher. Professionals are averaging 4.4 years in a role, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that the average worker currently holds 10 different jobs before age 40. Holy cow. And this number is projected to grow. So if you're not in the midst of a career change in the moment, chances are you're going to be thinking about one in the future. So if you're thinking about a career change or maybe you've successfully made a career change, we'd love to hear from you today on Career Talk and you can reach us at one 844 1-844-942-7866. Michelle is here manning the phones all hour Thursday, noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. So to help us with this topic, we welcome Dory Clark. Dory is the author of Reinventing You and Stand Out, which was named the number one leadership book of 2015 by Inc. Magazine. A former presidential campaign spokeswoman, Dory teaches at Duke's University Fuqua School of Business and is a consultant speaker for clients such as Google, Morgan Stanley, and the World Bank. You can download her free 42-page standout self-assessment workbook and learn more about her at doryclark.com. That's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. Welcome to Career Talk, Dari. How are you? I'm great, Don. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. So tell us how you've got to be a branding expert. Well, my own career path was fairly circuitous, actually. I, uh, After graduate school, I started out as a journalist. And unfortunately, about a year into my career, I ended up getting laid off. And so I had to adapt. I, I thought at first I'd just get another job as a journalist, but that, uh, that proved rather elusive since the industry was beginning to contract r- rather violently at the time. And so I had to put myself through a lot of reinventions uh, over the Next decade, I um, went into politics and became a political campaign spokesperson. I ran a nonprofit. I made a documentary film. And eventually, I landed on my current career, uh, which is being a marketing strategy consultant and then writing and speaking and teaching alongside it. Uh, But because of my own personal experience with reinvention, I ended up writing my first book in 2013 with Harvard Business Review Press called Reinventing You. Uh, And I interviewed dozens of professionals who had made successful career transitions to try to learn what their secrets were and how we could uh, share that with with other professionals so that we could enable them to create a roadmap as well. I think what you say is really interesting because what you talked about was being laid off early in your career and then 
looking at what the market was doing and reinventing yourself. I love that word. So that you could apply the skills and interests you have to what's currently going on in the market. And I think that is so important. That happened to me early in my career as well as with Arthur Anderson when the whole Enron thing happened. And we were all forced <laughs> to rebrand ourselves and do something different. And, and quite frankly, I don't know that I would have the path I've been on to this point had that not happened. So so that idea of being able to adapt to market changes is becoming more and more important because I think people are finding themselves in a situation where either they're laid off due to company restructuring or there's there's something going away or, or technology is taking over their job. So this idea of adapting is a little scary but so critical, so critical for people to, to really think about these days. So how can people really think about reinventing themselves, whether it's forced as in our cases, or if it's something that somebody wakes up and is like, you know, I'm done with this. I want to do something different. The idea of reinventing yourself is exciting, but pretty scary, Dory. Yeah, it's it's very true. So ideally, what what you want to be doing, whether it is a uh, a mandatory reinvention, as you said, or uh, one that, that people are proactively seeking out, is uh, is hopefully taking the steps now so that when you do reinvent yourself, it is uh, a positive process and not a traumatic one. There are things that, that everyone can and should be doing, hopefully making habitual as part of just how they how they do business um, that can soften the blow and make any reinventions um, an exciting uh, opportunity. And so I'll, I'll give you one example. Okay. Uh, there was a woman that I profiled in Reinventing You named Patricia Fripp, and I especially loved her story because it, it seemed so... Uh, so unlikely, but so brilliant. She actually started her career as a hairdresser in San Francisco, and she ended up with a clientele that there were a lot of uh, a lot of business people from the big industries in San Francisco, the you know Gap and Wells Fargo and Bank of America and things like that. And she noticed that all of her her peers, her colleagues, would have these kind of shallow, perfunctory conversations with their clients. But she thought there was a huge opportunity. Because she said, look, I'm, I'm uh, cutting the hair and having a free hour with some of the best business minds in the world. That's so awesome. Have, yeah, she'd have these business conversations and pump them for advice. She'd ask them things like, so if you had a hairdressing business, how would you market yourself? And uh, she managed to get a lot of great tips. And because she had built up this this great rapport with them, when she happened to mention that she had started doing some speaking, because initially she uh, was doing presentations for hair care companies, they said, oh, you do speaking? You know, you are so great at customer service and engagement. You should come speak to my employees. And so she started to be brought in as a speaker for these corporations. Now, of course, at first, you can't just jump and, and make a living off of that. It wasn't much money at all. But she realized that she loved it. And so she had a 10-year lease on her salon. And she said, you know what? I'm going to spend the next 10 years learning as much as I can about the industry, building up my profile, reinvesting anything I learn into making myself better and get, getting skills and training. And at the end of it, I'm going to switch. And that's exactly what she did. At the end of the 10 years, she, she didn't renew her lease. She shut down the salon. And by then, she was more than making up her hairdressing salary as a full-time professional speaker. What I love about that story is the fact that, that she had a plan and 
she took advantage of the situation that she was in and said, you know what, I'm going to be creative and I am going to to look at what's going on in the market, look at what I want to do, and I'm going to make that happen. And I think a lot of people step back and they try and go through the traditional channels of saying, yeah, I'm, a, I'm in marketing, but I want to be an engineer or I'm in I'm in private equity and I, I want to, to be an entrepreneur or whatever it is. And, and they, they try and go through what everyone else has done. And I think the people who really get to where they want to be are finding these creative options. They're not going on Indeed.com and applying online and looking to get the interview, get the job and, and go the standard route. I mean, that rarely works for people who are, who are not reinventing themselves, never mind if you want to make a significant career switch. So, hey, if you've got an inspiring story that you want to share, one eight four four wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, 942 7866 or maybe you are in the situation that Dory and I have been in facing a layoff, your company's restructuring, and you're concerned about how am I going to take my skills and and go into a job search when I haven't been in one for a while because that's a really scary thing to do. We'd love to hear from you. one eight four four wharton one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. You're listening to Career Talk and we are live on Thursdays at noon. You can also send your questions to at BizRadio one eleven. So, Dory, this idea of brand is such an abstract concept. And a lot of people think, well, that's for marketing or that's for companies. But the fact is we're hearing it more and more with within the job search. And it's kind of a scary thing. You're thinking, what is my brand? Do I have to have a brand, a logo? A, what, you know, what is this? So, you know, in terms of job seekers, let's talk about really clearly how to define this word brand and why it's important in the job search. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Don, that the the word personal brand, the term, gets a little loaded sometimes. Uh, some, some people get intimidated by it. Other people rebel against it because they assume that it means that they have to somehow package themselves in a phony way, like if they were selling detergent or something like that. But fundamentally, you know, personal brand is it's a modern term. It was coined and popularized in 1997 based on a Fast Company cover story. But even though the term is only 20 years old, what it actually is referring to is something that is pretty eternal, which is your reputation. That's really all it is. The the question is, when you leave the room, what is it that people are saying about you? And is it what you would want them to say about you? And if there is a gap between those two things, how do you correct it? How do you make sure you're known for the right things? You're known the way you want to be known. Um, that's that's fundamentally what we're talking about. And I think that when we frame it in those terms, it uh, the, the value of personal brand becomes a little clearer to people. Reputation is a word that I think people can wrap their head around. What is my reputation? And I think one of the things that people need to think about is that there's so many things that go into building that idea of reputation. It's not just how you act in the room. It's how you show up. It's what you put on social media. It's what you, I mean, even things like what you wear, are you late to the, the meeting? How do you react to information? Um, you know, what types of people or things do you associate with? So there's so many things that that actually go into this message. And one of the things I want to make sure we talk about is this idea of dual branding, because I think a lot of people believe that they can be one person, for example, on Facebook, and then go out in the world and be a different person. And unfortunately, with the way technology and everything is so interconnected, that is getting harder and harder to do. But before we do that, we're going to go to Manu in Texas. Welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today, Manu? Uh, Hi there. Um, Well, actually, I have been in the education industry for 10 years, left the corporate world, uh, started a tutoring center 
been educating kids in math and reading for 10 years, I realized that I was becoming more of an advisor for families than educating them on math and reading. So um, I went and got certified as a Zig Ziglar certified speaker. And uh, I have workshops that I conduct for teenagers on a lot of issues that I feel that are out there um, with the teenagers these days. I am trying to see how do I market myself out there and present my workshops to the teenagers or my ideal place would be corporations where teenagers are home, summertime, and these teenagers come to work, attend all-day workshop while parents are still working, and everybody has a win-win situation. So need help and advice on marketing. So you're currently um, still in education and you're you're trying to build this business where you're doing more consulting and training. Is that correct, Manu? Um, I am, my business, my education business is separate. Okay. I want to go ahead and, um, you know, prepare myself for retirement, I would say, even though it doesn't seem like that. But uh, where these workshops are on teenagers, what I feel is there is so much pressure by parents to perform and the workshops I have conducted is totally on teenagers 14 to maybe 19, 20, uh, to talk about how to believe in themselves, set their own path and self-image and things like that. Uh, so I don't know because they don't have the money, they cannot come for the workshop. So how to get the message out to the parents that they need to attend these workshops too. Mm-hmm. Because you, in the end of the day, you do want to make a living off of this. So, so that's a pretty important part. So, um, Dory, what would you recommend to Manu? Well, you know, I'm actually in the process right now of, uh, of writing my third book. And one of the people that I recently interviewed for it had an interesting variation on this. His name is Todd Herman, and he's now an executive coach. Uh, but years ago, he got his start. He grew up in Western Canada and he was really interested in sports, and so he became a uh, you know volunteer coach, and he would talk to these young athletes about mindset and their you know mental toughness, and he wanted to build a, a, a private coaching business for himself, similar to, to you working with teenagers. But he realized, as you did, there's a fundamental problem, which is that the client is not the buyer; their parents are the ones who can write the checks for it. Um, so his strategy, which I think was a really good one, and he was able to dr- just dramatically accelerate his business and get it get it off the ground, um, was that he he basically went through a a spurt where he set aside a period of time, a few months, and he said, "All right, I'm going to double down on giving talks." And his arrangement was that he would reach out to all different kinds of of groups, you know, youth sports groups, civic groups, um, you know, teenager uh, associations or clubs for teenagers. And he said, I will give a talk for you for free, but there is one condition, which is that at least one parent for each kid has to be there. If you can guarantee me that, then I will give the talk for free. And so that way he, he guaranteed that there would be a buyer in the audience. And at the end of every talk, he would make a pitch and say, look, if you have another kid that that isn't here, uh, and you want me to speak to uh, you know to an association that they're a part of. I'm happy to do that. I also do private coaching, etc. And he was able not just to to build a a coaching practice uh, privately, working with these young athletes, but also a fair number of the parents in attendance said, "This is amazing. You know, this isn't just for kids. Will you come in and do this for my business?" 
and it opened up a, a whole new line for him. So I, I would uh, suggest that if you try a variation on that, that might be pretty effective. Is that helpful, Manu? Okay. Um, yes. And uh, I have tried contacting, you know, National Charity League and Young Men's Academy. So it, I believe it's a process. You have to have, is LinkedIn, or what would be the best way to find resources, the right person who makes a decision? Is uh, what That's what I'm struggling with. So, yeah, and I think I want to highlight a couple of things that Dory talked about. So, so really being clear, and this goes for job seekers as well, be, being clear on who your audience is. Um, what their pain points are, and and what is that market? So if, if you're if you told me money that you wanted to open a brick and mortar bookstore, I'm going to tell you, hmm, you might want to do a little bit more research on that market. So Mike, is there a need? And if there is a need, where is that need? So I think that's going to be most important. Um, and so the question is, well, how do I find that out? One of the things you might want to do is look at. Um, what might be considered your competitors. So where are they going? What are they doing? Where are they presenting? Who is paying them? Those types of things. Because chances are that that somebody, whether they do exactly what you do or related to what you do, has has kind of found that path. So look at that. And then something else you can do and Dory, I think you write about this in in your book as well, is, is start to associate with people who have an audience for this, who have a following. And it could be a peripheral business that that corporations or excuse me, that schools do for for teenagers or corporations do for teenagers, but start to find um, those people who are doing it and have broken through because chances are they will be able to get in and you might associate, you might, as Dory talked about, go give a free talk as a tie-on to something somebody else is doing. Or look at the people who are your friends, who have teenagers, where are they working? What contacts do they have? So a lot of people start to go out into the world and look very broadly when in fact your neighbors, your your family, your, um, you know, who knows, your, your sister's husband's cousin, they are actually on the ground where you want to be. So so don't discount the second level context that people you already know who trust and love you and want to see you succeed have, because those can be a great resource. Manu, thank you for giving us a call. What you're doing sounds like a great initiative. We'd, we'd love to hear back from you to hear how it goes. And hey, if you've got a question about reinventing yourself or how to maybe brand yourself for a career switch, we would love to hear from you. And we're taking your calls throughout the hour at one eight four four wharton That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are on Career Talk with Dory Clark. Dory, um, so we are talking about dual branding. Um, is that possible? Is it even possible? First off, what is it? And, and, and what is it, your definition of it? And is it possible to do that and successfully get the job that you want well Don, if you're if you're talking about uh you know when you say dual branding if if uh if the frame that we're using is creating two brands for yourself in separate areas uh then i i do think it's possible uh, but you have to be mindful of how you're positioning yourself uh so a big part of it is is thinking through is is your audience the same and you're just wanting to present two different facets of yourself or are they literally two different audiences? So for instance, you might be uh, an intellectual property attorney and a Dalmatian breeder. <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's great to be both of those things, but odds are uh, they're going to be very different people that care about those things. And so uh, for something like that, 
you would probably want to make sure that your uh, websites are different, that your social media accounts are different, because uh, it's, a, it's a small universe that is going to be equally passionate about following you on both of those things. That being said, I think sometimes th- people think that uh, the, the distinctions that, that they might have are bigger than they are. So, for instance, I had a woman uh, call me, uh, you know, a couple of months ago, and she was really concerned. She uh, she had been doing uh, all kinds of uh, coaching work with clients, but she wanted to start doing workshops. And she s- said, "Oh, well, you know, I just don't know. I mean, it's so different. It's a you know a whole different business." And I'm like, "Yes, but but it's the same audience. It's the same content. It's just a different mm-hmm. form." So you don't you don't need to stress out about it. I mean, people are going to get it. Like people who coach also do workshops. That's pretty normal. And she was like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> so I, I think getting getting clear on whether the audience is the same uh, is uh, is the first step in determining how differently or not differently you want to position yourself for multiple uh, brand facets. So it goes back to really identifying the audience. That is such a key step as a job seeker, as somebody starting their own business, as an entrepreneur. Who is who's your audience and what is their pain point? Carolyn in California, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I am about to um, involuntarily do to restructuring. Um, I've been in a career for the past 23 years with the same company. And although it's very frightening to think about starting over, I'm also trying to take some time out to reflect and potentially um, change careers. But it, it's kind of scary because I'm not sure kind of where to start to really figure out, well, what is it that I really want to do, um, you know, for the rest of my working career. So I'm just curious if you have any ideas on resources to help me discern um, what it is, I, I don't want to be all over the place looking at different things, but just happen to, you know, how to discern, you know, really what are the key things that you think you might be good at or looking to get into as a new next step. Well, first off, thank you for giving us a call here, Carolyn, because I think your story resonates with a lot of listeners. And I think it's awesome that you are taking a step back to say, you know what, my situation has changed. What do I want to do now? What What is it that I want to do before just going into a frenzy and sending out resumes and, and trying to get back into something without even thinking, is this what I want to do? So kudos to you. Um, can you tell us what type of work you were in for the last 23 years, Carolyn? Um, yeah, it's been pretty much in operations and procurement. And although it's, you know, obviously served me well and was a great company, um, um, it's just something that I feel like, well, geez, I'm not sure that I was that excited about it in the last several years. Uh, obviously, the money and, you know, as you move up and everything, it's, it's very tempting. You have kind of like um, uh, financial handcuffs on, but uh, it's, it's been primarily in the, that area. So easy enough to, to find another procurement job, but not sure I want to do that. Mm-hmm. What If you had to pick one project or one, one thing you did that absolutely energized you in your last job, and it doesn't have to be recent, but something that you recall just feeling awesome about being a part of or, or participating in or accomplishing, does anything come to mind? Yeah, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, you know, process improvement areas. I think there's a lot of processes that organizations hold on to um, that are not as efficient um, as they could be. 
and utilization of resources are, is often wasted. So that's always been an area um, for me that has been somewhat exciting, I guess. <laughs> So I think that is a great place to start, is really reflecting on your career and saying, where, was it the people I was working with, or was it that I was traveling, or that it was a, a particularly meaty or interesting issue that I was working on, or the fact that I got the satisfaction from making something more efficient? I think that's a good place to start by looking at those things that really energize you. Um, Dory, I want to invite you to, um, to, to speak to Caroline. What are some resources that you've used with your clients to reinvent themselves but but even before that to figure out what do I want to reinvent yeah yeah it's an important question so my uh I have a friend named James Altucher who's uh, who's a fellow author and he has a really good uh sort of quick frame that I like to suggest to people because I, I think that uh that it's sort of spot on with um with just kind of cutting through the thicket of um, of what you should be doing or, or you know, how, people people sometimes start with, well, what should I do or how do I apply my current skills? And I actually think it's even more useful to start from first principles, which is what are you interested in? And so his question that he likes to ask is, if you were in a bookstore and you were forced, if somebody had a gun to your head and you had to read every single book from a certain section, which one would you pick? Like, what, what is the, the thing that is most exciting to you and draws you out the most? Maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's self-help. Maybe it's uh, psychology. Maybe it's sports, whatever it is. But, but if you had to read, you know, 250, 500 books, what would they be in? That begins to, to get at this fundamental question of what is it that excites you? I think that at a really fundamental level, um, you know, we, we vote with our feet, Meaning, um, what is it that you are doing when you are not paid in your strictly free time when you can do whatever you want? What is it? Is it, you know, uh, go, you know, going for long walks? Is it practicing the piano? Is it, uh, talking with, uh, with friends or hosting dinner parties? You know, all of those things can provide clues, initial clues. Uh, another thing that I like to suggest is thinking through and, you know, even making a list of the people that you know in your life that you think are most interesting or that have the most interesting careers and just make a list of that. And, you know, they might not have anything to, to do with you directly, at least at, at first blush, but, you know, write down who are the people that you think have the most interesting careers and what is it about them that is interesting? Uh, is it that they get to, to travel to international locations? Is it that they are working in an industry that you think is really cool or whatever it is? And, you know, that's a little bit more data. And only then, only after you begin to, to gather those data points, do you then begin to, to look at yourself and say, oh, okay, well, which of these things are closest to my current skill set? What would be easiest for me to transition into? And, you know, if that's appealing, great. Um, if not, I mean, you might have a situation where you want to, uh, to make a, an even bigger shift and as long as you have the willingness to do it and as long as you have the, the financial resources necessary to bridge you as you gain the necessary skills and connections, then there's no reason at all why you shouldn't go for it. And Dory, what I like about what you're saying is that um, a lot of people start with, well, I've been in operations or I've been in procurement and where do people with those types of careers typically go? And, and that is one way to look at it. But 
the way you're approaching it is blank slate. What am I interested in now? And then going back and, and obviously operations and procurement has a lot of transferable skills. So, Carolyn, no doubt that, that whatever you pick in that bookstore, you're going to be able to transition those skills into. Um, so I think that's a really important distinction. Thank you for giving us a call, Carolyn. I'm very excited about where you're headed. And Dory, I just have to ask you one quick question. What, bu- what book section would you pick? <laughs> yes, awesome. Um, I think that what, what I would pick, I mean, you know, I, I feel very lucky because the, j- the job that I have is really the job that I want. I would, uh, I would probably pick the, uh, you know, the, the business and management section. I think that there's so much interesting stuff there. So the fact that I get to, I get to write those kinds of books and, uh, you know, be friends with fellow authors who are doing it is, uh, is pretty exciting for me. So we're going to take a call from Jack in Pennsylvania. Jack, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you today? Hi, thanks for the call. Yeah, I just, just had a question. I, I've been in, in sales professional for many years, and, uh, and just I've been in different industries from, from industrial sales to uh, sports as well as healthcare. And as, as the healthcare environment changes, I've often considered evolving into another uh, space in our economy. And it, it's sometimes it's different or it's difficult to understand what your real transferable skills are to, say, like an IT software type of selling environment or a financial uh, sales environment and how do you really what, what are some good a good framework to articulate what your brand is and how those how you have transferable skills into uh, another sector potentially Ooh, good question so you're in sales and you're looking to take those sales skills and move into a different industry is that is that right jack yeah at some point in the future so so this is, again, and I think another question a lot of listeners have. Hey, I've been doing this function, and I'm pretty good at it, and I would like to move into something that is a different market, a different industry. Dory, what would you recommend for Jack? So I think the, the first step that I would do is to try to gather as much intelligence as possible from, uh, from colleagues, from informational interviews, et cetera, about what, what exactly the crossover is. Uh, you know, what, what are, you know, how is your job similar to or different from um, the, the type of work that would be done at this new company or in this new industry? The more detailed information you can have on the ground from people who are doing it, the better. Um, but I think the critical thing, th- there are certainly going to be differences, right? I mean, you can, um, you can make the argument, let's say 40% of it overlaps. So you can, uh, you can definitely stress that, you know, when you're doing interviews or cover letters, things like that. But there's going to be a chunk, maybe it's 60%, maybe it's 20%, whatever, where uh, it doesn't overlap at all. And I think that's the place where a lot of times when people are making career transitions, they get, they get kind of back on their heels about it because they feel, uh, they feel defensive. They feel like, oh gosh, you know, this is a weakness that I have that I don't know this industry or that I'm, you know, I'm coming in and everybody else has these experiences and I don't. I'm going to be having to play catch up. And I think that, that that's actually the, the wrong attitude. It doesn't serve people well. Because when you are coming in feeling like you need to justify um, your your knowledge, it, it means that sometimes you're you're overcompensating. You're uh, you know they can they can sense that you are trying to cover up a deficit. And so what I advise a lot of the people that I am uh, that I'm consulting with is that instead you need to bring it up up front, and you actually need to to lead with it as a strength. Uh, so you know when you're having these conversations, you can say, look. 
um, you know, many aspects of sales are the same, of course. And so, you know, just as, at, you know, here at this company, you do X, Y, Z, I've spent 20 years doing X, Y, Z, and here are my results, blah, blah, blah. But then you, you pivot and say, um, but obviously there are a lot of differences. And the fact that you can name and articulate them are going to be pretty impressive to them because it's going to show that you've done your research and your homework. Uh, you know, we, we did it this way at my company o- over here in this industry. You do it this way. Um, you might, you know, you might be wondering, uh, is, is this a problem? Will I be able to do it? And, you know, here's, here's the, you know, the magic pivot. You say, actually, I, I would argue that based on my background, this is exactly what your company needs. And here's why. And the, the truth is, you have a, a different mindset. You, you've done different things. You have different skills. Um, as my friend Steve Shapiro, who's a professional speaker, likes to say, if there are 99 engineers and you hire a 100th engineer, that's not going to make a big difference. That, that's nice. It's an incremental gain. It is not an exponential gain because they're thinking the same way. It's just a little bit more of the same. But and Dory, 99 engineers, yes. I'm going to jump in because what I love about what you're saying is you're you're basically telling them, call out the elephant in the room. You're not trying to deny yeah. that you have this experience or, or you don't have this experience. You're trying to say, yeah, I get it. Here's what I bring to the table. And I've understood your pain point. I've done my research. And I get that this is, you know, great. This is your concern. Let's talk about it. Let's address it. Let's get it on the table. Love that. Jack, good luck to you. Thank you for calling Career Talk. If it's Thursday, we're here all hour. At noon Eastern time, and we're at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And hey, if you can't call in, you could always get more advice at dawnoncareers dot com, where I send out a weekly blog. And right now, it's my favorite part of the show. We are going to the pre break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz. So, Harvard researcher Amy Cuddy recommends doing this in the bathroom just before an interview to lower your stress and boost confidence. Harvard researcher Amy Cuddy recommends doing this in the bathroom before an interview to lower stress and boost confidence. It's PG-13, people. Um, If you think you know, 1-844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. And welcome back to Career Talk here on SiriusXM Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and you are listening to Career Talk. And today we have marketing expert Dory Clark with us. And we're talking all about career switches and reinventing and rebranding yourself, which is so important in today's market because what we know is the average job tends to last 4.4 years. So chances are if you're not in a job search in the moment, you will be at some point and you will definitely need to be out there with your network branding yourself. So, so Dory, right before the break, we were talking about dual brands. And one of the things I see with clients quite a bit is, all right, I'm a, I'm a lawyer and I want to go into business, but I don't want to let go of that, that lawyer identity. Yet I'm trying to get people to take me seriously as a marketing person in business. So when I'm thinking about dual branding in that respect, I think that can be pretty damaging to people trying to make a career switch. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that self, self-identity self is actually a, a very big issue. Um, in my book, Reinventing You, I actually tell the story of uh, a woman named Roxy who started out as a, a teacher, and she went on to become the executive director of a education nonprofit. And she had been running this nonprofit for about five years, and she was at a party with her husband, and somebody asked, oh, what do you do? And she said, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. And the, her husband, you know, sort of hits her afterwards and said, you have been a teacher for five years. What are you talking about? I love and, that and he that hit her. It's <laughs> one way to get her attention. <laughs> That's right. It, it made her realize that, that her self-identity was really lagging and that, that she was so caught up in, in thinking of herself in that teacher frame that she hadn't really adapted to her current circumstances. Yes. So I, I think it's, it's really important for people to, uh, to understand the message that they're conveying to other people. And we're so used to identifying ourselves by our title or our company. What do you do? And we, we automatically, I'm a teacher, I'm a psychologist, I'm a lawyer, or I work at Google, or I work at Morgan Stanley, that it becomes our identity. And the idea of reinventing is is very, very scary. Hey, if you're out there and you are wondering how to rebrand yourself for a career switch, whether that's moving to a different company or even internally, because I will say rebranding yourself internally in a company can have its own challenges. And that can be much harder in different ways because people know you in a certain way. But you can give us a call throughout the hour. We're here at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Or maybe you're facing or just going through a layoff and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to take some time to really think about what I want to do next. And you want some tips on how to do that? We would love to help you. I'm Dr. Don Graham. You're listening to Career Talk, and we're here with Dory Clark. One eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. So, Dory, I want to go through some like like quick rapid fire uh, branding hacks, like things people should think about that people can put into action right now. So, one of the ones that comes to mind for me is if you're trying to brand yourself online, be sure to use the same version of your name in all of the places. So don't say Mike in one place and then Michael in another because then all of a sudden those things don't link up. And you want to, to your name is probably your most core thing. You want that to be brand. What are some other quick tips that, that we can give to listeners on, hey, here's a way to get your brand out there and make it strong? 
Yeah, really important. So one one tip that I like to advise people to, to think about is that um, you should be going deep when it comes to social media or other platforms rather than wide. Uh, it is it is not useful or necessary for most people to have 10 different social media accounts. I think sometimes people get overwhelmed and think, oh my gosh, I have to be on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and Vine and Tumblr and Twitter and LinkedIn. And the truth is, no, you don't. Um, it is a great thing to, to create content that's valuable, but uh, but you should be thinking about LinkedIn. You know, every professional needs that, plus maybe one or two other venues. Um, you you do not have to be Coca Cola. You do not have to be everywhere. Agreed. And and thank goodness for that because <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good in in LinkedIn and I'm getting better on some other sites. But if I had to be on every one, that would be a full time job. I don't know when I would sleep. So so let's talk about LinkedIn for for a quick second, since this is for job seekers. The one site that I would recommend you you get on, you're active on and you get to know very well. What if I am a lawyer and I want to go into business and, and be in marketing. I mean, I can't I can't say I've been in marketing. I can't say I have 10 years in this field. So how do I rebrand myself on LinkedIn so that when I'm networking, people start to see me in, in more of where I'm going versus where I've been, Dory? Well, I think there's, there's two things right off the bat that people can do with their LinkedIn profiles to help when they are in the process of a reinvention. The first, which I, I think not enough people really take full advantage of, is their summary statement. This is the place where you can you can describe yourself however you want. This is uh, basically your free-form bio uh, that appears at the top of your LinkedIn profile. And so for somebody who is in the midst of a reinvention, this is the place. Lay it out. Share your narrative. Explain, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I did this in the past. But, you know, I'm now um, moving towards a career in, in marketing. And, and then, you know, critical part here, connect the past and the future. Explain how and why your background as a lawyer actually gives you unique insights into the world of marketing. If you could do that, that's a, that's a powerful testament, and you have the space to do it. The second thing that I'd suggest for people on LinkedIn is that now, um, as of about two years ago, LinkedIn opened up their uh, their blogging platform. It used to be just for a select number of quote-unquote LinkedIn influencers, but now anyone with an account can blog directly on the site and their posts appear in their profile. Um, so this is a, a fantastic opportunity. If someone's on your LinkedIn profile, clearly they're already interested in you in some way. So now you can showcase your skills. So if you're wanting to move towards a career in marketing, I'd start blogging about it and showing people, hey, this is what I'm doing now. This is where I have knowledge and expertise. So I love that idea. I'm a huge blogger. I love to blog. I put it on LinkedIn. It's on my website, dawnoncareers.com. Some people are a little bit nervous, or, or if it is a new field, they, they're not sure what to share. I think just um, an even smaller step, a baby step, is looking at other people's content and liking it or sharing it or commenting on it. And that's how I got started, honestly, because I was a little nervous about putting my own stuff out there. And so I started to become known in a certain way because of the things that I was sharing, the things that I was putting out there um, from others. But it also helped me connect to other professionals who were doing the things I wanted to be doing. And that's something you can do right now, right away. Go join some groups, share the content and start to get yourself known on social media. So we're going to go to Dan in California. Dan, what's on your mind today? Hi, Dan. 
Dan's gone. So <laughs> so let's go back to the pre-break quiz um, and answer this question because I think this is super interesting and it works. I'm going to tell you I do this. Maybe not in the bathroom, but I do it. <laughs> Harvard researcher Amy Cuddy recommends doing this in the bathroom just before an interview to lower your stress and boost confidence. And I'm going to go to Dion, who always has a great answer for these types of things. Dion, what is the answer to this? I want to say singing. Singing? Yes. Um, no, but... but <laughs> <laughs> I'm always wrong. It, but that is a good guess. That is definitely a good guess. And it's PG-13. Thank you for that. Um, Michelle... Thoughts? I have a good one. Okay. I think I got it. Okay. Get the ding ding ready. All right. Get um, the ding ding ready. It is looking in the mirror and giving yourself a pep talk. So so kind of uh, a la Saturday Night Live. Yes. The- <laughs> yes. And there's actually a commercial running right now where a girl is like looking at herself, pumping herself up to ask for a raise. That's my guess. Um, that is close. Oh. But but there's actually no verbal... verbal um, Content needed. Okay. Um, Danielle, welcome, welcome as our engineer guest today. What, what do you think? Oh no, I don't know. I would have guessed singing too. Maybe um, singing. Ah, uh, okay. Wait, <laughs> maybe going dancing, dancing, dancing. See, that's nonverbal. That's good. That was good on the spot, but it's close. It is physical. Mm. Dory, I'm, I'm mm. gonna. I- <laughs> You you can refrain from guessing, Dory, if you don't want to be buzzed. But I, I'm going to think you know, because if you would go to the bookstore and be in the section where all these books are, I'm going to guess that you probably come across this at some point. I do. I do. And in fact, even if people are nowhere near a bookstore, they, they maybe have seen uh, Amy Cuddy's very famous TED Talk that has been seen by about 15 million people on this subject um, what she recommends people do is power pose yes. when they are getting ready to go to a meeting. Yes, exactly. So um, <laughs> that was a ding, although it kind of sounded like a fire alarm in my ears. <laughs> so Harvard researcher Amy Cuddy recommends striking a pose in the bathroom just before an interview to lower your stress and boost confidence. So it might sound a little silly, but striking a power pose, women Wonder Woman style, I should say, can actually boost Boost your confidence before you enter a stressful situation. So research shows that power posers performed better in interviews and were more likely to be chosen for hire. A power pose has a calming effect. And when you stand in a confident position, and it could be a Wonder Woman, chest up, hands on hips, or it could be feet on desk, hands behind your head, any kind of power pose, it helps you to naturally lower your stress levels. The result, you talk slower, shake less, appear more confident. So next time you're heading into a potentially stressful situation, like an interview, put yourself in a Superman power pose to give yourself the best shot at making a good first impression. So, Dory, I'm doing this right now. <laughs> um, awesome. So we're going to go to Joe in North Carolina. Joe, welcome to Career Talk. How can we help you? Yes. Uh, good afternoon. Um, yeah, I currently am a truck driver over the road and recently got my bachelor's degree in business. And in line with your couple of previous callers, how do I pre- uh, present myself? I, I have great customer relations skills. I've worked in electronics previously as customer service. Where do I go? How do I present myself? Coming off, I'm a, not, not necessarily a dumb truck driver because I did well in school. Um, where do you go from there? 
So first off, congratulations on finishing your degree. That is very exciting. So you're looking to go from being a truck driver to what type of work in business, Joe? Listening to you guys talk, uh, customer relations, I like marketing, marketing aspects. It's very, um, I, I did took entrepreneurship uh, as my major, basically, but you can branch off into anything. Marketing, I really loved. Uh, human resources, I enjoyed. So, so, are you looking at a particular industry? Industry or business. I mean, I... I don't want to say, I mean, go into a private business type, yes. Well, one of the things I'm, one of the reasons I'm asking that is because one of the, the kind of easy opportunities I see and is moving into a company in transportation. So you clearly have a lot of experience in transportation. You have kind of you know, feet on the ground in that industry. So so moving and taking your skills in from your business degree into the industry where you have a lot of background and experience might be one way to get your foot in the door. Dory, what do you recommend for Joe? Well, I actually think that, um, you know, when he, when he said he was a truck driver, the very first thing that, that came to mind and... Uh, you know, for, for folks that are um, reading the papers and, and following business trends, it's, you know, good job, Joe, for getting for getting your degree, because uh, all, almost all the uh, the pundits think that truck driving is going to be imminently disrupted by self-driving cars. Um, that's that's probably going to be um, one of the first industries that falls. And, you know, if we're looking, who knows what the timeline is, whether that's you know, 10 years or 15 years or whatever. Um, but there, there's, I, I think, something, you know, huge, uh, you know, probably, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, long-distance truck drivers. There's probably going to be zero in about 10 to 15 years' time. And so as a result of that, I actually think that from a branding and narrative uh, perception, you have a real advantage here, Joe, because you can seize on that. And if you're, if you're having a meeting with people, it shows that you are a visionary forward thinker, that you have taken the steps necessary to get yourself out of an industry that is going to be disrupted. I don't think there's anyone that thinks it's not going to be disrupted, but you are getting out at the exact right time. And so, for instance, if you if you were wanting to enter a career in HR, you could actually make that your mantra. You could say, you know what, I I saw the writing on the wall and I made proactively that reinvention um, of myself. I didn't wait to be disrupted. I took the bull by the horns. I want to help other people do that. That's why I want to enter HR is to help create a modern and adaptable workforce and help your company do that. Oh, I think Joe looked at that and say, wow, that's pretty cool. I'm excited about this now, Dory. Joe, <laughs> go get them. That, that's a great way to transition in. As Dory mentioned, you are getting in ahead of the curve and use that to your advantage. Go in and say, hey, I'm ahead of the curve. I'm going to use my skills and knowledge and business degree and I'm going to make this happen. So go make it happen, Joe. Thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk and please call us back and let us know how it went. You can give us a call 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are here with Dory Clark, and we are talking all about reinventing and rebranding yourself as a career switcher. So I love that Joe is ahead of the ahead of the curve. Dory, any any other kind of last minute 
tips, quick tips as we start to wrap up the show on how people can make sure their brand is strong and working for them? I think, Don, that the biggest mistake that people make is that they assume that the, the reasons behind their transition and you know how their skills fit together is obvious to other people. And the truth is it, is, it is almost never obvious to other people because we live in a world where people are busy, they're stressed, they're maxed out. They are not paying very close attention to you and the trajectory of your career. And so if you just leave it to them to extrapolate why it is that you're making a shift, they're not going to think about it. They're not going to get it. They're not going to notice it. What we need to do as the captains of our career is to be very explicit in creating a narrative, much like the one we just created for Joe, where you know, he's, he's saying, look, you know, here's, here's why my background enables me to be uniquely qualified for this future. If we can do that, if we can create that kind of strong narrative statement for ourselves and share that with other people, they, they'll listen, they'll hear it, but they're never going to be taking the time to create that for you. You have to do that and share it with them. And I love what you're saying, which is do the work for them. If you leave the door open to assumptions, people may make the wrong one, the one that you don't want, or they may make the easy or convenient one, which may not be where you want to go next. So great advice, Dory. It's been so wonderful having you on the show. Your advice was spot on. Can you please tell listeners where they can find you and where they can find your books? Thank you very much. So the best way to uh, to get a hold of me and actually to access about 400 free articles that I've written for places like Forbes and the Harvard Business Review is on my website, which is doryclark.com. It's D-O-R-I-E-C-L-A-R-K.com. And especially, I would encourage people, if, if they want to go deeper, uh, you can download a free 42-page standout self-assessment workbook that I created, which walks you step-by-step through creating your own brand and helping with your own reinvention. And one of the things I just want to tag on to that, which I think is so important and has been helpful to me and many, many others, is giving out this free content. It can take months and months or years of free content putting out there to help build your brand to get to that point where people are going to pay. So yes, persistence, being consistent, and getting out there and really creating and reinventing yourself in the way you want. Thank you so much, Dory. We really appreciate it. I also want to thank Manu and Carolyn and Jack and Joe for giving us a call on the show. This show is all about you. Career Talk is really here to help you find the job you love, get the career that you want, and find that satisfaction in what you do every day. Also, I want to thank Michelle and Dion, our dream team, and our guest engineer, Danielle. Thank you for joining in. We are here every Thursday live at noon Eastern time. And you can also get more great tips at my blog, dawnoncareers.com, or follow me on Twitter at Dr. Dawn Graham. Thank you for listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111.